Welcome in everyone to the College Football Gridiron Podcast. I'm Ryan Gregware. I'm joined alongside the wonderful Sam Davis. Sam, great week eight of college football. And most importantly, we have the Big Ten coming back. You know, we have a ton to talk about. Um, but yeah, college football, we're in the swing of things. We now have four of the five Power Five conferences at play. Um, so, you know, we're going to talk about that with the Big Ten coming back. We'll recap some of the biggest games of the weekend, Penn State, Indiana. Uh, we'll talk about Michigan, Minnesota a little bit. Oklahoma State, you know, their chance to make the playoffs. And then we're going to pick some of the big uh, Week 9 matchups. But, you know, Sam, as I was just saying, it's just great to see the sport of college football get back on track, get these Big Ten, you know, get as much players and teams as we can just playing the sport of football. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome. Like I, Like you were saying, Ryan, I think that Early in the year, it was it was a little it was a little light. The schedule was, you know, we really just had uh, ACC football, and then sure the uh, SEC coming back was big. Now the Big Ten's back, the Pac-12 coming back soon. It's just super exciting that uh, that we we finally have a normal football season. At least seems like it, and, and definitely more of a full schedule. Um, in terms of the Big Ten, I think. Um, I think Ohio State is going to be the team to beat in the conference. Uh, uh, Penn State, we're going to get into their their loss to Indiana. That was a huge game. Obviously, that disappointed me a little bit, how they played. Um, I, I think the Ohio State-Michigan game at the end of the year, the game, as they call it, is going to be a really big one. Uh, I think it's going to be, have playoff implications for at least Ohio State, and if not, both of those teams. But overall, I have to say, having the Big Ten back is definitely super exciting. A little bit of normalcy here in our college football season. Yeah, exactly. We have to give them credit, too, because, you know, at first the whole season was canceled. Then we got some of the conferences. And slowly and slowly, the Big Ten, it was kind of a gift to us. You know, we never expected it to come back. They did it. Great job to Kevin Warren and everyone to make sure the players are safe and everything like that. And, yeah, the more conferences at play, the better, because we want this, we want this title to be legitimate at the end of the day. And it just it would not have felt the same if we didn't get an Ohio State competing out there. The game, as you said, you know, we're going to look forward to that later on. And if we didn't get that, how much of a real season would it be? But, yeah, so let's get into kind of just how this is going to work because obviously in 2020, you know, things are a mess. It's a new blueprint. You know, we've never experienced stuff like this before. And, you know, the Big Ten is only going to play eight games as opposed to the SEC and Big 12 playing 10. And that two-game difference, you know, let's talk about it now. What do you think that's going to mean for the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think it makes a huge difference. I mean, we're, we're used to a normal college football season where it's almost double elimination, where, where a team will get a game here and there. The committee will give them a little bit of breathing room to be, okay, you can make a game mistake. You can have a bad game, and you can still maybe make the playoff. With the eight-game season, it's, in, it's in, incredibly difficult for these teams because – I don't really think they had that margin for error. I think the margin for error is zero. And if you lose a game in the Big Ten, I, I don't see how the committee is going to be like, well, they lost one out of eight. They're seven and one. I don't think that's a record that's good enough to get them into a playoff compared to a team in the SEC where you can be nine and one or ten and one or however many games they end up playing, where that's a lot more likely for the committee to say, well, maybe we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They had that one bad game. And I, I think – not only do teams have to win, but especially in the Big Ten, but they have to win and make it look good. I think the eye test that the committee talks about is going to be more important this year than it's really ever been. It's a smaller sample size. They're really going to be looking at these teams and every single game with almost a hyper focus of, well, how did they play this week? How did they look? 
And, and that's going to be extremely important so, towards deciding this. If you look at a team like Ohio State, for example, let's say down the stretch they, they win the rest of their games but look a little shaky doing so. I think the committee is going to take that into notice and be like, well, is this team really deserving of making the playoffs? As opposed to a team in the SEC that has a bigger sample size and a bigger uh, sample size to draw from in order to say, well, they had a couple bad games, but the entire body of work is good. We're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I, th- I think it's incredibly difficult for a Big Ten team playing eight games. Yeah, the discrepancy in the conferences is bigger than ever. And as you said, with the double elimination we're used to, you know, we've had recent years where Ohio State's had one loss and they haven't made the playoff. So this is really a single elimination tournament for the Big Ten. There is absolutely no margin of error. And that is, you know, that's usually typically what we love about college football. It's the urgency of every game because in the NFL, you know, you won't have these games in October. They mean the playoffs for these college football teams. You know, we had Bama, Georgia a few weeks ago. That maybe that could have been a playoff game. And now with this year, with the difference in schedules, the Big Ten teams, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, there is no margin for error. They have to go out. They need to, as you said, the eye test is going to be bigger than ever. They need to win convincingly in 2020 if they want to be on the same level as the SEC teams who have those extra two games of body of work to go to the committee with. Yeah, and I, I also think that one other point about this is that the players and the coaches had had very little warning for this season. I, I mean, they went from thinking the Big Ten wasn't going to play at all, uh, treating practice like it's an off-season workout, which it was at that point, not really knowing the future. That's tough on these players. It's tough on the coaches. All of a sudden, they're told, okay, you're having a season. We'll give you a month to get ready. That's tough. And, and when you're coming to the season off that little uh, amount of preparation, like we said, you can't really afford to lose a game. It's a lot of pressure puts on these games where normally, okay, you give it a couple games to kind of ease into it, ease into the year. I mean, sure, in college football, it's, it's still tough. You, you, have to, you can't lose more than one, basically. But my point is, is that these teams have, are going to have a little bit of a trouble kind of instead of easing into the season, jumping straight into it, playing conference teams and having to be good right away and, and almost zero margin for error like you talked about. Yeah, and you know who's a perfect example of what you're just talking about? Penn State last mm-hmm. week. So let's get into that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State, they're ranked in the top 10 going into this game against an Indiana team who has not had much success against them recently. And this was, I think it's safe to say, Sam, the game of the Big Ten, at least the game of the week so far, as Indiana upsets Penn State in overtime. And this game had a ton of back and forth, a ton of questionable decisions. You know, let's get into all of it. Um, what did you, what was your main takeaway? I guess we'll start with for this Indiana Penn state game. I mean, it was a crazy game and it's, it's almost like too much stuff going on. Everything seemed to happen, especially down the stretch. Uh, I think Penn state, they looked very sloppy. They came, especially in the first half, uh, the starting quarterback, Sean Clifford, two interceptions, and then he gets benched. Will Levis comes into the game, fumbles at the eight yard line, three turnovers in the first half by Penn state. I think they, they did turn it around nicely in the second half. Clifford started running the ball more, and uh, he avoided those turnovers. That definitely costed them. Um, I don't want to give all the blame to, to – uh, or, or, or make Penn State feel like they played terribly because they still were in position to win this game, which was crazy to me because they, they didn't look great at all. Like you said, they kind of, uh, kind of slept into this game. 
that one play at the end of the game, I know you're going to get into this. Uh, I, I just, uh, it was an extremely tough situation for uh, the third string running back or um, with, with all Penn State's injuries and, and tough situation there with the starter. It's, it's difficult that, that ending situation. I, I think if, if Penn State was able to maneuver a win out of that and maybe waste a little more clock, take the lead, I think we're talking about a completely different story. We're, we're a lot more excited about this Penn State-Ohio State game. Instead of now, we're thinking, well, they seem to be out of it with that one loss. And that's a really tough way to start the year if you're Penn State. And, yeah, as you said, three first-half turnovers. They also missed three field goals, including a 25-yarder. Sloppy is the perfect way to put this. And if you just take a step back and you look at some of the overlying numbers, you know, typically if you win the time of possession, you out-yard them, you're going to win the game. Penn State had over double the yards of Indiana and double the time of possession. So this wasn't like Indiana playing up to their level. No, Penn State still dominated this game. They just, as you said, three turnovers. One was in the red zone. One set up a red zone opportunity for Indiana. And it's the sloppy mistakes that put them behind. And even though they crawled back, as you said, they got a lead late. They did not close this game out. Um, It's really a shame because, you know, you talked about the unfortunate injuries and the third string running back. Their first string running back, Junior Down uh, Brown, he has a heart condition. And so, unfortunately, he's out indefinitely. And their back of Noah Kane got hurt in this game. So they had to rely on their third string running back, Devin Ford, and he made a big mistake. He, um, you know, they're running out the clock at the end. They get a fourth and 21 stop. They came back, as you said. They get that stop. And he's kind of like Todd Gurley over the weekend in the NFL. He accidentally scores a touchdown. And so this puts them up eight with a minute, two minutes left and Indiana is able to drive down the field and get it to overtime. Yeah, I mean, I want to talk about this situation because we see it so much in college, and not just college football, and football in general. I mean, that's just, a, it's just like, a, it's a difficult situation. I want to break it down because I think some of the blame has to go to the coaching staff because I understand it's a third string running back and he might not be aware of the situation like a starter would be, but I think as a team, you need to prepare for this kind of scenario because it's very difficult. There's one timeout for Indiana. You have to obviously force the timeout, force them to use it. You got to waste some clock, but at the same time, you're up by one point. It's a 21 20 game. It's you can't not score and you can't really kick a field goal. You need a touchdown because you need, I think if, if, let's say Penn State wastes some time, kicks a field goal, Indiana still drives down the field, scores a touchdown and wins. We're talking about how bad of a decision it was not to go for the end zone, you know? So it's just, it's an extremely tough situation. Yes, he should have went down. Yes, he should have wasted some clock. I mean, Indiana was practically giving him the end zone there. They wanted him to score. They were, yeah. They were, they were letting him walk in. Um, so it's, it's a very difficult situation. I, I think it's part of it is definitely on the coaching and being a little bit more prepared for the scenario because it obviously turned around to bite him. And even with that score, as you said, you know, he shouldn't have went in. They're still up eight with a minute 40 left, and Indiana only has one timeout. Indiana is still able to drive down the entire length of the field and get the two-point conversion. And I think that speaks to Penn State defense because, you know, a lot of people look to this year as a make-or-break year for Penn State. Um, but they lost seven starters on the defense, including their best player overall, Micah Parsons. He's going to be a top 10 pick in the draft. He opted out due to the draft, due to COVID concerns. You know, we're not going to harp on any of those decisions, but that left the defense, you know, this is an inexperienced group, the secondary is weak overall, and Indiana was able to take advantage of that time and time again. They still put up 36 points, um, and Penn State, you know, they need to get better on defense, and as you said, it, it sucks that this loss – 
taste kind of the juice out of a game we'll preview in a little bit, the Penn State-Ohio State next uh, next week. But, yeah, to get it into overtime with a minute 40, it never should have got to that point. And then once it, once it got into overtime, it got even more crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean – I think you make a good point about the defense. They need to be more consistent if they want to stand any chance against Ohio State. But but talking more about that ending there, I, I want to I want to make a point um, that we we can't we, we've been harping on Penn State a lot and maybe rightfully so, but Indiana d- does deserve a lot of credit. They do des- deserve a lot of credit in this game. I think uh, their quarterback Penix looked really good, especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, you got to give him a lot of credit. It was very impressive that that. Drive to end regulation, 75 yards. He was able to score the, the uh, clutch two-point conversion with, the, uh, with his legs. And then in, in overtime, he makes a great throw to score a touchdown and then goes for two and does that with his legs too and, and dives over the pylon in that, that infamous call there that we can argue about all day long. But I do want to give a lot of credit to Indiana. I want to give a lot of credit to Penix. And I want to give a good amount of credit to the coaching staff too. I think going for two in overtime is a really gutsy call, but I love it. I think with an underdog like Indiana in that circumstance, in that game, I, I really do love the call. I don't think enough underdog teams do this. Uh, you, you see that you have Penn state on the ropes. You have a team that's came into the year and, Oh, they, they're very hyped up, ranked very highly. They're certainly reeling. And Indiana, I think, saw that, recognized that, and said, you know what, let's go for the win. And I think that was a great decision on their part. Overall, I mean, Indiana played a great game. Sure, Penn State had significant troubles, but Indiana still took advantage of those troubles and played a great game. Yeah, you said everything I was going to say. That's a winning play right there. Penn State looked like they'd found their groove on offense, right? They scored to start overtime. Indiana gets a big third down touchdown, and I love that. You go for the kill here. You go for the win because Penn State – you know, they could easily score again. You don't know if you're going to score if you get the ball again, Indiana. End the game here. Put the game in your quarterback's legs. He did it in regulation. He did it there. A very controversial call to end it. Uh, I have some Penn State fans, and they were not pleased, you know, sending me these pictures. It's zoomed in a million gigs. It's, like, mm-hmm. it blown up. And, um, yeah, really controversial call at the end, but an awesome game nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I – if you zoom in any call to, to, that, to that little fragment of a piece, then sure, maybe the call's different. But that's an incredibly difficult call. The, the, the bottom line is that whatever they called in the field was going to stand. That's what happened. And unfor- unfortunately for Penn State fans, that's how it went. Yeah, the only scenario there which I would have been upset with is if they initially uh, called it a touchdown and then overturned it. You know, mm-hmm. what they did, calling it down and then ruling it down or calling it a touchdown and keeping it, I would have been fine with either of those because, as you said, it was so close. Uh, you know, we're, we're humans. You have no idea what to call it. It's so close. So I yeah. don't really have an issue with them keeping it no score. Just a brutal loss for Penn State, though, and it does a number on their playoff chance that now in this eight-game season look slim at best. Yeah, it's crazy that that, that one little play, you know, if, if they call that he's down, they're not going to overturn it game's over Penn State wins and that one little play makes such a huge difference in the entire season because it's an eight game season and they have nothing they have uh, no margin for error like we talked about and it makes this Penn State Ohio State game a lot less exciting for us unfortunately I think it's still going to be a good game I mean we're going to get into all that later but it's just crazy how one little play in this short season makes such a huge difference yeah common cliche is it's a game of inches Mm -hmm. and you know it was on display right there so let's get into a game that was not a game of inches. 
Uh, Michigan blew out Minnesota. A super impressive win. They won 49-24. You know, it was going back and forth a little bit in the beginning, but Michigan really found their groove late. They attacked Minnesota all over the field. They were running it down their throat. They were getting to the quarterback. And this is a Michigan team that we didn't know what to expect really coming into the year. Quarterback Joe Milton, he never started a game for them. He looked pretty well, good. Uh, Michigan overall looked like it was a really complete win for them. What did you see from their win? Yeah, Michigan surprised me, honestly. I thought it was going to be a much closer game. If I felt like Michigan had control this game from the start. Um, it, it was a little bit closer than, than what the, uh, the numbers say. I think watching it firsthand, but I, I, I think Michigan had it from the beginning. They dominated offensively. Uh, I was overall very impressed with Michigan. I, I think um, in terms of figuring out whether Michigan is really like the real deal here, if they really have a chance uh, to push for the playoff, I think it's a little early for that just because the season obviously has just started for them. I think Wisconsin, who they play week four in their season, so obviously a lot later on in the year, it is going to be a huge game for them. Wisconsin's ranked ninth right now, no easy task. But if they can find a way to get past Wisconsin, that sets them up, like I said, end of the year, Michigan-Ohio State, huge game. If they can, by any chance, win out and get to that game, they're going to be facing an Ohio State team with the winner going to the Big Ten Championship and probably the winner going to the playoff, quite possibly. Yeah, I would argue that this Michigan performance was the most impressive win out of any team in college football this weekend because you also have to take a step back and Michigan or Minnesota rather was a much better team last year, right? They won 11 and two that included an upstate over Penn state that was ranked number four at the time. So this was a really good Minnesota team, but Michigan overall, I took them on the podcast last week just because their program has dominated Minnesota. Uh, You're going to find this shocking. So Michigan has won nine of 10. But take a step back, they've won 26 of 28 against wow. Minnesota. So wow. this is a program that knows how to dominate Minnesota, and that's what they did. Um, as I said, they had five sacks on Tanner Morgan. You know, he had a great year for Minnesota last year, but he really struggled in this one. And if Michigan could play like this, now that's a hard task to do, but play like this against Ohio State in a few weeks, we could be looking at them as a playoff team as long as they don't have a letdown game in that uh, span in between the games yeah I mean as it is a lot to ask out of Michigan I think though uh, I think you, you've got to beat Wisconsin you've got to beat Ohio State obviously then you have to beat whoever you play in the Big Ten Championship which could be a Wisconsin team again who knows um, I mean you could lose you could potentially I could see with uh, Michigan maybe I mean this is a stretch but if they lose a game in the, in the regular season beat Ohio State win the Big Ten Championship look good doing so maybe they sneak into like a number four spot. But I think if you really want to be certain, if you're a Michigan fan, you have to win out here. And that's a lot to ask with that Ohio State game kind of glaring in their face that they're going to have to face at the end of the year. So it's possible, but it's a lot to ask, I think, out of this team. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Michigan can do whatever they want. If they don't beat Ohio State, you can just say it's a failure. You know, this Mm -hmm. is a historic rivalry. It's one that they have not owned recently. Harbaugh has not beaten Ohio State. And it's one you have to win to get to the playoff. As you said, you know, maybe they could lose a game. I don't think they won't have to worry about the hypotheticals. You want to control your own destiny, Michigan? Beat Ohio State. Do it. Because we need to see it eventually from Harbaugh. It was a really good win. Um, You know, a lot to take from there. Positive. But you still need to. You can't look ahead because Penn State still, that's still a tough task. 
I know you blew them out last year, but Penn State's com- competitive again this year. Wisconsin, as you said, they looked really good against Illinois. You know, we'll see what happens. They have a little COVID scare. Their quarterback, their second-string quarterback is also out. We'll see what happens there. But, but really, really impressive win by Michigan overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you said it. I like I like it. I like you challenging Michigan, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm, it's, I'm waiting, man. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. One thing. I don't blame you this at all. Game. Yep. Definitely. I, I think it's going to be a uh, fun. I, I hope as a fan of college football in general, I hope that that game with Michigan and Ohio state has some playoff implications because if it does, it's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, the sport of college football is better when those two programs are at its highest. Oh yeah. Um, and so let's move on to another team who's in the playoff picture. I think they have a much better chance than Michigan, Oklahoma state. So this was a big game for them. Oklahoma state, they're coming to the game number sixth overall versus an Iowa State team who was 17. So this wasn't an easy task for them. Oklahoma State, as of right now, looks like the best team in the Big 12. Um, You know, we're going to see down the stretch. They have some big games coming up, but this was a really nice win. They needed to beat Iowa State. They couldn't look ahead to Texas and Oklahoma on their schedule, and they handled Iowa State pretty well and ran the football really well. Yeah, Oklahoma State looked great. I, oh, Iowa State's a better team than people give credit. I think they're a better team than their record shows, too. I mean, they had a tough loss to Louisiana in the first game of the year. They've improved greatly. Uh, like you said, the running game in Chubba Hubbard, I mean, he looked, he looked really good. Um, he looked really good. I think he's definitely going to be a key for them. And, and I also wanted to touch on the quarterback, Spencer Sanders, who in this game last week, he did make a couple key mistakes. He, he threw two interceptions. I think the important thing for him going forward, I did, he looked great at times. He looked not so good at times. I think he needs to be a little bit more consistent, avoid some turnovers, let Hubbard run, let him do his thing. He's obviously the the best player on that roster. I I think most importantly though, I think the defense is the key for Oklahoma state. They did look very good last week. Um, I think in the, in the big 12, not really historically known for defenses, especially recently and Texas, Oklahoma, they're having down years, Iowa state. Uh, obviously I think Oklahoma state's key and separator is going to be their defense. If their defense can continue to, to play the way they did last week throughout the year, that puts them above, I would say any team in the big 12, which gives them a chance to make the playoff. I could not agree more right now. They are number one in the big 12 with only giving up 12 points a game. I mean, this came out of nowhere, honestly, because as you said, the Big 12 is not known for their defense. It's shootouts. It's high-powered offenses. And they have been able to contain some pretty good teams. As you said, Iowa State is no slouch. You know, this was a three-and-a-half-point spread with Oklahoma State at home. So the odds makers have this is pretty much of a toss-up game. And Oklahoma State was able to win it pretty convincingly. And as you said, if they want to keep winning, Chuba Hubbard's going to have to run the football, and they're going to have to play defense and stop these big teams. And just taking a step back from this game, let's look at let's look at Oklahoma State's outlook for the season because someone's got to win the Big 12, Sam. And, you know, Oklahoma, they're kind of in a transition year. Texas obviously had high hopes, already two losses. This could be Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy's shot to get into the playoff. Um, if they are able to handle Texas, if they're able to handle Oklahoma and win the Big 12, they're going to be kind of a de facto slide in at the four spot. You know, we've seen, let's hope at least, we've seen in recent years, the eight people has voted Oklahoma into the four spot for winning the Big 12. Now, while they have not played competitive in that game, they've been able to get there. So if Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State want to have some success, this is the year to do it with the down years from the other schools in the Big 12. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, like you just said, Big 12 is having a down year. I, I think Oklahoma State ha- would, considering that the Big 12 is having a down year, potentially probably have to win out. You know, they, they play Texas and Oklahoma coming up. Iowa State was probably their biggest test for the year, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can find a way to win the Big 12 championship, like you said, the committee gives a nod to teams in the Big 12. I think there's a good chance that someone in the SEC, someone in the Big 10, slips up, loses a game when they shouldn't, falls out of the playoffs. That opens the door for a team like Oklahoma State, if they were to be undefeated at the time, which I think they would need to be, winning the Big 12 championship, setting them up to maybe slide into a number four spot. And this team is no slouch. It's not like they don't deserve to get right. in because if they do get into that spot, I think they could wreak some havoc with a good defense that's been playing super well this year. And Hubbard, I think, is a star. Looks great last week. Honestly, I, I, I'm rooting for them. I, I hope they can slide into that spot because they can definitely do some damage down there. Yeah, their defense is way better than the Oklahoma defense we've seen in the playoffs in recent years. And being able to run the football with that defense is a huge advantage because you keep the other offense off the field as long as you can. And while it is the best in the Big 12, you know, we don't know how that would translate to some SEC or ACC competition. But make the defense play as little as possible and run Chubba Hubbard to the ground if that's what it takes because he is a star. He's going to be a day one or day two pick in the NFL draft. And this is their best shot to get that, uh, to get to the playoffs because, you know, I'm rooting for them. I'll say it right now. I picked them to be good this year. And with the Big 12 being, being in a down year, this is their shot to get to the playoffs. I like Mike Gundy. He's been there forever. He, um, he deserves this one. He's a great roster. And um, as you said, you know, they play Texas this week. Obviously, this is the season for them, right? There's so much urgency. You can't lose to Texas. It's a big game, especially because Texas already has two losses, but they are the more talented team on paper. I think you can make that case. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so Oklahoma State is going to have to buckle down. They're going to have to win some games. And if, you know, Georgia, they're already a one-loss team. Who is who's the committee going to value more, a one-loss Georgia team or a Big 12 championship in Oklahoma State? So they have a really good shot if they're able to buckle down and win these games on their schedule. Yeah, like you said, in, in the past, they they valued teams like Oklahoma and and the undefeated teams in the in the Big 12 or teams with one loss even over a team with one or two losses in the SEC. Obviously, it's a little different this year. It's it's undefeated versus one loss because of the shorter season, but the same thing applies. And, and I think I'm I'm more confident in this team than I have been in prior Oklahoma teams that have made the, the fourth yeah. spot. I know that sounds crazy to say, but I mean, this Oklahoma State team looks like they can hang with a potential number one seed in the playoffs and and certainly make for an interesting and exciting game as a fan. We're going to have to see a little more out of Steve Saunders, the quarterback, just Mm -hmm. because, you know, we've seen the Oklahoma's had dynamic quarterbacks, Baker, Kyler, Hurts, and they still haven't been able to make it close. So I'd like to see a little more from the passing game. But, yeah, for sure, the defense is as legit as a Big 12 defense could be. Um, So let's move on to our Week 9 picks. We have two games to pick, both in the Big Ten, both rivalry games, both huge games for their teams. We have Michigan at Michigan State. It's a 12 o'clock game, and this is upsetting to see the downfall of Michigan State because a few years ago they were in the playoffs, and now you know Mel Tucker, it's his first year there, and this is a big rebuild that he's going to have to overcome, and Michigan should win this game convincingly because right now this isn't a rivalry. This is Michigan football having all the better players. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, that Rutgers loss is a tough one. It's Rutgers' yeah. first conference win in, since 2017. 
Um, you don't want to be giving that up uh, as a Michigan State fan. Unfortunately, like you said, they're in full rebuild. And uh, if a college team can even be in that, they are. Um, I mean, you can't discount a rivalry game. I, I got to throw that out there. It's early in the year. It's a weird offseason. No one is really prepared for this season, no matter who you are, no matter what team you are. So you can't discount that. But like you said, I mean, I don't see, I don't see Michigan having any trouble in this one against Michigan State. Harbaugh has been really good against them. Um, I think it might be a little bit less than the, than the huge spread that, that's out right now. I, I think yeah. it might be a tiny bit closer, but I think Michigan will handle this and, and take care of business pretty easily. I got Michigan over Michigan State in this one. Yeah, as you said, the spread is 24, right? And so this is the biggest either of the teams have been favored in this rivalry game since 1992. So, you know, we're going, we're turning back the clock a while here before Vegas and the odds makers have thought this matchup was such a mismatch. Um, and I want to say, as you said, Harbaugh, he has handled Michigan State pretty well. He's three and two since he took over. One of those losses was that infamous uh, drop punt game where Michigan State scores on the last play. So, you know, you take a super fluky loss like that out, he's four and one. And you would take a four and one record against your in-state rival any day of the week. I just want to throw that out there because a lot of people, you know, they harp on Harbaugh, as I just did. I'm one of them for not beating Ohio State. But you cannot overlook what he's been able to do. Maybe he's one of the reasons that Michigan State's going to a rebuild because they couldn't compete with Michigan once they got there. But, yeah, the spread is huge, as you said. And because it's a rivalry game, I feel with Michigan State, it's the game of their season. They could play up to cover that spread. Michigan hasn't been the greatest in covering against them. But I'm going to pick Michigan to win this game, no problem. And they should do, yeah, they should do so with these. This shouldn't be a game. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I agree. Um, and then our last game that we're going to pick, this was supposed to be the game of the Big Ten season. But unfortunately, Penn State had to lose to Indiana. And as we brought up earlier in the show, took some of the juice out of this game, right? Mm-hmm. So Ohio State versus Penn State, Halloween night. This is still going to be a big game. You still should not overlook Penn State, despite all the holes on the defense despite the loss to Indiana, the sloppy play, this game, you know, it's going to – Ohio State has a much better roster, but it's still Ohio State, Penn State. Anything could happen, Sam. Yeah, I mean, the game should still have hype around it, in my opinion. I mean, like we talked about, Penn State was this close to winning that game last week, and minus some terrible mistakes in the end of the game, they would be winning, and we'd be talking about a completely different thing. So I think it still should have some hype around it. College game day will be there. You know, Sunday, uh, Saturday night game, Halloween. Uh, I think it's going to be a good one. I-, I wanted to note that three of the last five games between these two teams have been one possession games. So they've, they've historically played each other very well, no matter what the circumstances, even if Penn State's having a bad year or Ohio State, vice versa, whatever. These teams have played each other very well. I think it's going to be closer than people think. Everyone watched Penn State last week and said, oh, they stand no chance against Ohio State. Uh, I-, I disagree. I think... Penn State's definitely got to do some things in order to play a lot better, but I think they're going to be prepared to do so. Ohio State is their first real test of the year, and Nebraska was kind of an easy walkthrough for them. This is their first real chance to show really how good they are. And I I think that – I think as much as I've said about this game and hyping it up, I think it's going to be good, but I think Ohio State is just too good. I think they're they're the playoff team. Justin Fields, somehow he's looked better – this year than he did last year. And he was a Heisman. I mean, he was a Heisman finalist. I know it's early, but he's looked, he's looked great. He's looked like he's on his way to another Heisman finalist. Uh, 
attempt there. And uh, the Penn State offense, I think they're not going to be able to keep up with Fields and Ohio State. I've got Ohio State. I think they're going to win by a touchdown and a field goal. I got them winning by 10 points. I think it's a little closer than people think. So that, that's, I, got, I got Ohio State, though. Yeah, the one thing I will say is that Penn State has no answers for Justin Fields on defense, and they can't match him on offense. And I just want to take a step back for a minute because Justin Fields last year, if it were not for Joe Burrow's historic year, he'd probably have the Heisman. He had 51 total touchdowns, and he was insanely accurate. Three interceptions on a 67% completion percentage. So this is a guy who was a monster in Ohio State last year, his first year there starting. And, um, you know, I look what he can do on the field. And without Micah Parsons, I don't see anyone on that Penn State defense who can make plays to make him turn the ball over or to just make him uncomfortable. So I think he's going to be able to have a field day with that defense, pick apart that secondary. And while Penn State, you know, they'll be as motivated as ever, probably the game of their season, coming off that embarrassing loss to an Indiana team, I still think Ohio State just has the firepower. You said a touchdown or a field goal. I'll double that because I don't think this is going to be that close. I think maybe it's closer to three quarters, seven-point game going to the fourth. And as we've seen, you know, we've seen it with Alabama-Georgia this year, the better team pulls away late. And I think that could happen here. And so Ohio State kind of just runs up the score a little bit. You know, last week, actually, there was a little controversy because they were scoring with under a minute left in a 52-17 to 17 point win over Nebraska. Mm. So hopefully there's none of that on Sportsman-like stuff today, or on Saturday, rather. But I think they're going to take over late. And, this, and the final score may not be indicative of how close the game is. But I like Ohio State to win very convincingly at Penn State. Yeah, I mean – I unfortunately this like like we talked about this game had so much hype and I was really excited I'm still excited you know it's college game day it's Saturday night I mean it's uh it's unfortunately during this whole COVID environment that Penn State and the the stadium there won't be as rocking as it normally would be I can only imagine you know how packed it would be yeah that would be circumstance so that's another unfortunate thing and that plays in Ohio State's favor too because they won't have to deal with such a such a rowdy crowd over there, but I still think it'll be close. I'm a little optimistic in thinking that it'll be that close, but who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Last thing I'll say, you know, it is Halloween. So maybe, maybe Ohio state's wearing a costume. Maybe they're frauds. Maybe that's <laughs> what they dress up as for, uh, for this game. And maybe Penn state's able to take advantage. Yeah. But yeah. As you said, um, if this was a full stadium, this would have been the atmosphere of a lifetime. I could only imagine what it'd be like inside that stadium. But um, I think that's going to do it for us, right, Sam? Anything yep. else you want to talk about? No, I'm, I'm super excited, and we got a we got a great future of college football ahead of us. Pac-12 coming back soon. Uh, yeah. Pac schedule coming up down the stretch. I'm super excited. Yeah, I mean, there, we're a week closer to a full Power 5 football schedule, and we're going to take everything we have very graciously because we might have had this, but – yeah, never thought. Yeah, this you know, happen. as for us, I think that's it. Thank you so much. No, um, thank you so much to our producer Lauren Russell, for everyone at w- WFUV. I'm Ryan Gregward with Sam Davis, and this was College Football Gridiron Podcast. I had a lot of fun, Sam. Yep, I did too. Good to, good to talk with you, Ryan. Yep, as always. All right, thank you guys. Bye.